Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Fantastic. We're going to find out how we can follow the King about what grace is now. Joe's going to help us understand that bit in the Bible, Exodus 32, so you might want to pick it back up. Yeah, so do turn to Exodus 32. Um, I don't know what you think about God, um, but I want to say to you this morning, God is so kind. He's so kind. The book of Exodus is God's kindness to his people. They were in slavery in Egypt and God in his kindness rescued them. And after he'd rescued them, they moaned and moaned and moaned. And God in his kindness provided food and water for them in the desert. And to this moaning bunch of people, God in his kindness promises to take them to an incredible place. A place of peace. And so how will this people respond? With gratitude, no doubt? No, they didn't. Let's look at Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. This is what it says. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, they gathered round Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Come, Make us gods who will go before us. Uh, God, you've rescued us in the past, but we're going to make our own gods now. Uh, we're, we're a bit bored of you now, God, actually. We're going to do it our own way, is what they're saying. And we're happy that you saved us from slavery in Egypt. We really are. But we can do life very well on our own. That's what they're saying. They're happy to be saved by God, but not happy to live for him. How tragic. Today's bit of the Bible we're looking at is all about a broken relationship. This broken relationship between the people and God. It's a breakup. Well, what are they going to replace the saviour provider promising God with? Have a look at verse 3. All the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, a baby cow, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said to the baby cow, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. They make a baby cow and they say to that cow, You're our saviour. You're our saviour. You're the one, baby cow, who rescued us from Egypt. It's crazy, isn't it? But that's what they do. They replace their saviour with a cow. And I have fashioned with a tool a cow for you this morning, a baby cow. Here comes our our golden baby cow. (laughs) Very impressive fashioning with a tool, I think you might say. Now, what has this baby cow got to say for itself? Nothing. It's a cow. Cows don't speak, obviously. Um, They make this baby cow of metal. And they basically say, God, you're our saviour. Nah, we'll have a baby cow instead. Uh, They say, to the God who held back an entire Egyptian army, no, we'll hide behind this little baby cow, thank you very much. That'll protect us. They say to the God who provided for them water and food in the desert, no, we'll have an unmilkable cow, thank you very much. 
They say to the God who would lead them into the promised land, no, we'll have a static metal cow. Thank you very much. It's shocking, isn't it? They start to pretend that this baby cow is the one who rescued them. They've replaced their saviour with a useless cow. That's what they've done. This cow didn't save them in the past. It won't save them in the future. It's a statue that you can't really take anywhere, can't rescue you from anyone, and it wouldn't be any use in a fight. And yet the people say, this is our God. And it breaks God's heart. Because he's their kind God who loves them. They reject their saviour and they give a cow, a baby metal cow, the job instead. They have cowed up. They've made a giant cow part of a mistake, if you like. And the tragedy is, we all do the same. This is a tragedy that is repeated around this world and in this building. Because we're all tempted to replace God with something else. To replace him with other things which we think will save us or give our lives the meaning we feel they need. See, we all replace God, our saviour, with something else. Now, for some of us, and I reckon for lots of you around here, I reckon it's certificates and exams. And when I go into assemblies, there's the normal procession after the assembly, hundreds of children coming up, claiming their certificates with beaming smiles on their faces. And this morning, I have fashioned with a tool a certificate-shaped idol. Here we go. Very attractive idol, I might say, as well. Um, Here we go. Certificates. Wonderful, wonderful certificates and exam results. Um, They're brilliant, aren't they? It's wonderful when you get a certificate. It makes you feel so good about yourself, doesn't it? And getting good exam results. Brilliant. But can they save us? Uh, Imagine... Um, earlier on in our service if we'd have sung this instead grades, grades, grades pay for my sin brought me to life grades? school grades? they're brilliant it's good to do well at school but pay for my sin? bring me to life? I don't think they can do that or imagine if we were singing a more old school hymn this is one for the older ones guide me out the great certificate Take me to the promised land. A certificate? Take me to the promised land? Oh, they're brilliant certificates, aren't they? They're brilliant. But are they really going to do the big things of rescuing me from sin? Taking me to God's perfect place? They're nice, aren't they, exam results? Getting good exam results. It's nice getting a certificate. But they haven't saved us. And they won't save us. And they certainly can't take us to God's perfect place. They shouldn't be the thing we make most important. They shouldn't replace God in our lives. We also tempt to replace our saviour. But here's another thing I reckon we replace God with. It's money. It's money. Here's an, an idol I have fashioned in the shape of money. A wonderful credit card. Very wonderful indeed. Now, now money, now we're talking, aren't we? Because we all know money really does give us the things we want, doesn't it? Money's brilliant. You know, if I've got lots of money in the bank, I'm safe and secure, I'm all sorted. Money can provide for my needs, can't it? Give me a bright future. But again, can it do 
the big things. Imagine if earlier in our service we'd say, I'm following the bling, ready to obey, listen to its word. Yes, money is my, money is my, money is my king. Some of great passion for the song earlier in the service. Money, I mean, it's great, isn't it? It, it does wonderful things, but, but my king, my life, my saviour, can money help me overcome death? No, only God can. Can money save me from my sin? No, only God can. You see, we've carried up. We've made a giant mistake. We've replaced our saviour with something else. Whether the Israelites did it with a cow, we might do it with certificates or money, or you fill in the blank. We start to claim that these things have done what they never did and can do what they never can. Well, how would God respond to this act of breaking relationship, of replacing him with a cow? Uh, Did you see verse 9? God says, I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. They are stiff-necked. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I'll make you, Moses, into a great nation. God is rightly angry. They have replaced him with a baby cow. What an insult. What a slap in his face, the God who's been so kind to them again and again and again. How could they do such a thing? How could we do such a thing with these things? Well, it seems hopeless, doesn't it? Because they promised earlier on the people in Exodus that if they broke God's rules, which is what they've done, they should die. That's what he said. That's what they promised. They said, if we break the rules, then we should die. That's what we deserve it. Is that serious, replacing God? And then look at verse 19. We haven't had this read out yet, but look a bit further on in verse 19. Uh, When Moses came down the mountain, he approached the camp. He saw the baby cow and the dancing, and his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. The written tablet was was a signal of their relationship in words on stone, and it is shattered to pieces on the floor. The relationship between God and his people is totally broken to bits. And the people have already said they deserve to die. They had promised to obey. They had agreed that replacing him with anything else would mean death. And they've just gone and done it. And it seems like it's the end of the road. You see, if that's what happens for them when they replace their saviour with a cow, what does it mean for us when we replace our God with with other things? Well, we'll find out in a moment. But here's a couple of questions. Just have a chat with the person next to you about for just a minute. They're coming up on the screen now. What do you think will happen next? What will God do? Can they sort it out? Is the relationship mendable? What are the things you replace Jesus with? Just a minute with the person next to you, have a quick chat and we'll move on. Please take a seat and pick up your Bibles again and turn to Exodus chapter 32. Now so far we've seen, haven't we, that the people, they replace God their saviour with a cow. And we're going to see now that actually we need a saviour and we need the right saviour. We need Jesus as our saviour. 
Um, So after they've done this atrocious act of breaking relationship by making the cow, uh, Moses says he will go up to God. He will mediate. He'll be a go-between between the people and God. Moses is the people's leader, if you like. He's their, their mediator, their leadiator, if you want to put it that way. And so what he does is he goes and pleads, pleads to God on behalf of the people. And this is what he says. He says to God, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Moses says to the Lord, turn from your fierce anger, relent and do not bring disaster on your people. The people deserve punishment. Well, how will God respond? Look at verse 14. He sends Moses back with this message. The Lord will relent And he will not bring on you the disaster he had threatened. Moses goes to the people with this amazing message of God's kindness. He will not destroy them, even though they deserve it. Moses has pleaded with God on behalf of the people. And God has turned aside his right anger. Even though these people do not deserve it at all. How gracious is God. God will not bring on the punishment they said that they deserve themselves. But there's still a problem. And God's not going to punish them, but their relationship is still shattered to pieces on the floor. Their relationship is still broken. So whilst they're not going to get punished, their relationship with God is over. Or so it seems. And so the next day, Moses goes to the people, verse 30, and he says, you have committed a great sin. But now I, Moses, will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for you. Atonement for your sin. God's anger has been turned aside, but they are out of relationship. And Moses says that their sin needs atonement. Now, that is a wonderfully big Bible word, isn't it? Atonement. What does that mean? Well, let's break the word up. It's at-one-ment. 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 It's all about bringing two people together who were previously apart, making them at-one. Does that make sense? At-one-ment. And so Moses is saying, I'm going to go up to God and make this at one moment. Bring you, the people, back to God in relationship. But the thing is, um, the previous 12 chapters or so have been clear that at one moment needs a sacrifice. At one moment needs a sacrifice. And Moses, as he heads up to God up the mountain, he takes no lamb. He goes himself. It seems to me that Moses thinks that he's going to go up the mountain and he is going to be sacrificed so that God and the people can come together again in relationship. And so verse 31, Moses went back to the Lord and this is what he said. Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now... 
Please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Moses is offering himself as a sacrifice. He thinks he can make atonement to keep the people in relationship with God. But God's answer is, is no. Look at verse 33. The Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Moses goes up to the mountain and says, sacrifice me. And God says, no. You are not an appropriate substitute. You cannot take the place of the people. Moses is not the saviour this people need. He isn't the right mediator. He isn't the perfect sacrifice. But gloriously, there is someone who is. Moses, if you like, is like a signpost pointing towards a better mediator, a better go-between, a better leader, a better saviour. Moses points us towards Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one who offers himself up in our place. Jesus is the perfect substitute. The one who really can make us at one with God again. Who can repair our relationship. You see, we're all just like the Israelites. We replace God with other things. But as Jesus dies on the cross, as he dies on the cross, he can bring us at one with God. He mends our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus is the saviour we need. He turns aside God's right anger for our replacing of him. He is blotted out so that we can be in. We've had in the video, haven't we, all this time, what is grace? What is grace? You all ask, what is grace? Well, grace is Jesus dying in our place so we can be God's forgiven friends. We can be at one with him. That's what grace is. And so what does all this mean that we've been looking at this morning in Exodus 32? Well, I think it means this. Next time we replace Jesus with something else, it begs the question, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go to be saved? It's not all over. That is the wonderful news of Exodus 32. When we replace Jesus with something else, it's not all over because amazingly, Jesus has covered it, has paid for it by dying for us on a cross. And you see, his dying for us on a cross will keep us safe all the way to his promised place. That's what grace is. It's that God's kindness comes to us despite the fact we reject him again and again and again. God's kindness comes to us through Jesus dying for us in our place on a cross. And so Jesus isn't just someone we need for the past. We need him every day as our saviour, as our mediator. The one who will keep us safely in relationship with God forever. And so that's what this means for us. We must trust him and him alone in the grace that comes to us through him. 
Well, we're going to have just a moment now just to chat again with the people next to us and have a bit more of a chance to respond to what we've been hearing. Here's another question on the screen. <laughs> 